millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, May 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear from the first candidate to announce a bid for the 2019 lieutenant governor's race. Will there be a change in leadership? Then a U.S. congressman introduces a bill to expand telehealth. Find out how it could help rural communities fight opioid abuse. This is something that will, I believe, increase the access to care, certainly helps uh, reach patients, maybe with needed treatments uh, in locations that's convenient to them. And advocates for women and children's health are rallying for change today. Plus, we'll catch up with Mississippi's teenage chef preparing for his own cooking show. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. House Democrat Jay Hughes of Oxford is running for lieutenant governor in 2019. He made the announcement yesterday as he traveled to designated stops around the state. The seat will be open because Republican Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves is limited to two terms. Hughes says the state needs to improve highways, mental health services, and his top priority, public education. It's a decision, he says, he was not quick to make. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood he wants to see progress. What I think concerns me the most, as most other people, is it's not about the people. It seems to be that bills are only brought to the floor if the right lobbyist is behind them or campaign donor. I I fail to see any real bills every year that are brought just for the good of the people. After such a short time in the legislature, why did you decide to run now? Because I realized how broken it really is at the top and it needs change. Are you afraid that um, statewide that you may not have as much popularity as some others? Do you think that there may be a concern in your election? No, I don't think it's a concern. I think the more people get to know me, they'll see that I'm not a seasoned politician, but I'm just like them, and I want a better Mississippi, and I want change. What best qualifies you for this office? My life experiences. I've Growing up poor, working hard jobs, military veteran. I've created jobs in Mississippi with businesses. I've been paying taxes while they've been down here spending them. You mentioned a couple priorities, so what is your first priority if you are elected? To talk with the, uh, the Speaker of the House and find out what is the best thing we can do to move legislation forward for the people and to keep that door open for an entire term. Education, poverty, 
uh, in terms of that, it's all about education, and I believe that my first and biggest priority is public education, putting it at the top. It is our greatest economic attracting tool. Representative Jay Hughes with our Ashley Norwood. Former Governor Ronnie Musgrove supports Hughes' decision. He says education and jobs are needed in the state. It's time for a change, and I believe the people of Mississippi want leadership just like Jay Hughes, that lieutenant governor, who will invest and focus in education, focus on our teachers and our kids, and make Mississippi a better place. Our leadership needs to understand that an investment in education is an investment in creating jobs in Mississippi. Musgrove says Hughes has time to get to know voters while on the campaign trail. Any time that you come from the legislature, your name recognition is not going to be that great. But with the next 20 months that he has, he'll have an opportunity to expand his name recognition and people will learn about him and know what he stands for. Former Governor Ronnie Musgrove. In a statement, Mississippi Republican Party Chairman Lucian Smith says Jay Hughes is an Oxford liberal, best known at the Capitol for not supporting gun rights, running from legislation to protect the unborn, and generally achieving nothing except getting his name in the papers. Mississippi voters should reject him, just as they've rejected other liberals like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Coming up, a U.S. congressman introduces a bill to expand telehealth. Find out how it could help rural communities fight opioid abuse. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The new National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama, honors the victims of lynching. On the next Fresh Air, we talk about the history of lynching, including the grotesque picture postcards sold as lynching mementos. And contributor Matt Johnson tells us how his great-grandfather escaped from being lynched. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Republican Congressman Greg Harper is working on a bipartisan bill to use telehealth to treat opioid addiction in the state and nationwide. The U.S. congressman says people in underserved rural states like Mississippi need more access to treatment and health providers. The bill would allow mental health centers to register with the Drug Enforcement Administration to provide prescriptions that treat opioid addiction. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier more about the bill's supporters. This is a bipartisan bill that Congresswoman Matsui, a Democrat from California, and I introduced uh, Tuesday of this week, uh, and it's called uh, Improving Access to Remote Behavioral Health Treatment Act of 2018, a long name, I guess, uh, but this bill would would amend the Controlled Substances Act, and it's going to give community health centers, uh, community mental health centers, that are licensed in states, the opportunity to register with the the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, in order to use telemedicine uh, to prescribe appropriate substance use disorder treatments for patients in those facilities. You know, when we have a a rural state uh, like Mississippi, uh, one that also has uh, sometimes a a shortage of, of healthcare access, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of strengths, but we do have to utilize telemedicine as a way to expand the resources that we have. Uh, and this would, uh, would be something I think that would be very beneficial as we look at, at, at really at a global way to, to help in this, in this situation. 
so we're we're really looking at at every aspect of the opioid crisis and you know specifically to Mississippi uh, you know in the the last year's stats that we have in 2016 you know we had 352 Mississippians that died from a, from an, you know an opioid overdose so we've got a work cut out for us across the country why is it important for these clinics to have that uh, Drug Enforcement Administration designation? Does that do something? Sure. If they can, uh, if they're, if a community mental health center uh, is licensed or operated, authorized, whatever we want to say, certified by a state government, then they have the ability to register with the, the Drug Enforcement Administration that will allow them to use telemedicine to prescribe those appropriate substance use disorder treatments for their patients that are in those facilities. This, this is something that will, will I believe, increase the access to care, certainly helps uh, reach patients uh, maybe with needed treatments uh, in locations that's convenient to them. So anything we can do that makes it easier for them to have that access, which this bill we believe will do, uh, is something we've, we've got to take advantage of. How do you think this bill is going to be received? I know that it passed by a voice vote, and it's in the Energy and Commerce Committee? That's right. And so uh, that came through the Health Subcommittee, and it will go to the full committee, uh, and it went by voice vote. That means there's not a lot of this dispute among the parties and the members on this, uh, if something passes by voice vote, that means it has strong bipartisan support, uh, and this, I believe, will pass Energy and, and Commerce Committee, full committee, probably in the month of May, and uh, I would think it would go to the, the Senate shortly thereafter. And while we have a lot of bills that go to the Senate, and, and, and their process is a little more uh, a little more delayed sometimes than, uh, than, than ours, but I think the Senate understands that crisis uh, as well. Uh, this is something actually we believe could be uh, signed into law this year, and we're we're very optimistic of that. Well, Congressman Harper, we appreciate your time and speaking to us on this important issue. Thank you. Congressman Greg Harper with MPB's Desiree Frazier. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 352 people in Mississippi died from an opioid overdose in 2016. Shane Gerard is Director of Alcohol and Drug Services at Region 1 Mental Health Center. He tells our Desiree Frazier the measure will be beneficial for their patients. One of the things that we see in, in rural Mississippi, and we are definitely rural uh, in Dublin, Mississippi is where we are, uh, is not having the resources to connect with physicians, uh, with doctors who can help us with medicated-assisted treatment for those who need it, uh, and also for psychiatric needs. So uh, we oftentimes the psychiatrists that we can have or the doctors that we can have are, are so overwhelmed with the people in our own community that those treatment centers like we are just we just don't have the ability to get to them. And most of them are in Jackson, Mississippi, which is about two hours from us. So, uh, yes, I think it would be super beneficial to have it where, where we could reach someone when we needed them. Right now, that's not an option. You don't have any access to telehealth. Or can you do something with the University of Mississippi Medical Center? Well, we have at one time had a grant that uh, allowed us to be a part of UMMC, and uh, we were with telehealth with them. And, and since the, the grant has kind of gone away, the service kind of has. Without funding, we really can't do anything. So uh, to have a bill on the floor is something that would be uh, 
super beneficial to us to connect to them, uh, which they're some of the leaders in, in being able to treat opiate addiction and looking at medicated-assisted treatment, especially for the special population that we serve, which is the pregnant and parenting females. Region 1 Alcohol and Drug Services Director Shane Gerard. Mississippi is home to one of two national telehealth centers for excellence in the U.S. The University of Mississippi Medical Center has over 200 sites across the state. Coming up, advocates for women and children's health are rallying for change today. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, y'all, it's Felder Rushing. I'm the Gestalt Gardener, and I am so pleased to join y'all every week talking about gardening. You know, you don't have to be anybody or join anything to be part of this party. All we're going to do is talk about gardening and garden-related stuff and maybe a little psychology working in at the same time. Let's have a lot of fun on the Gestalt Gardener. Fridays at 9 and Saturdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Advocates are rallying at the state capitol today for the health of moms and babies. They say they hope to raise awareness about Mississippi's extremely poor birth outcomes. The state ranks at the bottom of the 2017 America's Health Rankings report that analyzed factors affecting women and children's health. The 2017 March of Dimes Premature Birth Report Card assigned a grade of F to Mississippi. Premature birth is the leading cause of infant mortality. Public health researcher Getty Israel says Mississippi's rate is higher than the national average. She tells us poverty and education affect birth outcomes. Most of the women who are having babies in Mississippi are poor and they are single and they don't have a college education. So just their socioeconomic status alone puts them at risk of experiencing a preterm birth. Mississippi, one of the highest pregnancy-related maternal mortality rates in the United States. Is that because of all the pre-existing conditions? That's part of it. Mississippi has five leading causes of maternal maternal mortality or death. Obstetric cause, that means any deaths that occur 42 days after the mother has given birth. Fetal problems, maternal diseases associated with the pregnancy or childbirth. That's number three. Number four, amniotic fluid embolism. That's when the fluid that surrounds the baby in the uterus, it enters the mother's bloodstream. If that happens, it results in the mother's heart and lung collapsing and massive bleeding. That's number four for Mississippi. Then number five for Mississippi moms are complications during labor and delivery. Now, one of those complications involves C-sections. Now, that's when the baby is removed surgically. That's the number one surgery for Mississippi. And the city of Jackson, according to a Blue Cross Blue Shield Foundation report from 2016, the city of Jackson has the highest C-section rate in the nation. Now, why do you think that is? Because that piece of information is also tied to the fact that not all of those C-sections are required or necessary. And most of them are not medically necessary. Many mothers think it's convenient. They think that, well, I don't have to deal with the pain associated with giving birth because it is painful. Labor is a painful experience. So they may ask their physicians, you know, to plan a C-section. It's convenient for the physician to plan a C-section. It's a cash cow for the hospitals. The most recent data I could find goes back to 2010, where hospitals in Mississippi billed for over $220 million for C-section surgeries alone. But it comes with many complications. Mississippi is ranked number one. So the Martha Dimes 
created an, an initiative called It's a Banner Program for hospitals to reduce, to make a commitment to reduce their early elected deliveries by 5%. And this was done in 2014. Now, in 2014, early elected deliveries were 11.5%. That's over 3,000 babies born that way. By 2015, it dropped by four-tenths of a percent, 11.4. By 2016, most recent data, you're looking at almost 12%, 11.9. So as you can see, even though they made a commitment to reducing these medically unnecessary early deliveries, it's still happening. And it's more likely to occur among a woman who does not have a college degree or advanced degree and an older woman. That's why education is so important. Let's go ahead and talk about the rally itself. What do you hope to accomplish? The rally is to encourage people who want to work with us to come out as a coalition of maternal and child health experts, as well as moms and families, to develop a strategic plan to address these issues. We want to address policy. We want to address policy on a state level, on a local level, inside the workplace, as well as inside clinical settings like the hospital. We welcome anyone who wants to work with us. Now hospitals are more baby-friendly, which means they are on board with helping women, systemically helping women to breastfeed. That took a lot of effort on the part of people like myself, moms, healthcare professionals who push hospitals to this point. So we're going to have to come together and push our policymakers and push hospitals and physicians to the point of helping us to address these issues. There will be a blood drive to collect blood for women who are at risk of experiencing hemorrhaging after birth, especially if it's a C-section. There will be speakers there. Representative Kathy Sykes will be one of the speakers. We will be giving away lots of wonderful prizes to expecting moms or moms who just recently had a baby. So that's from 10 to 2 at the Mississippi State Capitol. And it's happening nationally. There's a national march rally that's taking place at the nation's capital, and it's happening in cities around the country. It's called the Sister March. Getty Israel, thank you so much for the information and for being with us today. Thank you. The rally is from 10 until 2 today. A planning meeting will also be held tomorrow morning at 10 at Whole Foods in Jackson. Coming up, we'll catch up with Mississippi's teenage chef preparing for his own cooking show. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Ophira Eisenberg, host of NPR's Ask Me Another. Do you have an extra car that you wash more than most people go to the dentist? Well, save some time and some water and donate it to us. Think about it. Rather than it sitting there taking up space, your extra car could be making public radio. And when you donate it here, you may also qualify for a tax deduction. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Aspiring teen chef Mark Koblenz says his love for macaroni and cheese prompted his launch into the cooking world. The Starkville native now stars in his own cooking show, premiering on MPB TV on May 5th. Making a Chef captures 15-year-old Mark's passion for cooking and zeal to hone his craft. The show follows his visits to kitchens across Mississippi and to his own at-home trials. In 2015, Mark was one of four young chefs 
selected to launch Chopped Junior, a Food Network TV competition series where he came in second. Mark went on to be a top 10 finalist twice on Master Chef Junior. He tells MPB's Ezra Wall how he got started on his own project. My dad is a, uh, he owns his own production company, and so I've always been around cameras with him, helping, hauling gear. And so uh, we've been doing a lot of YouTube videos before this TV show. Uh, so we decided, you know, it's cumbersome. So we decided to go ahead and set up a uh, studio kitchen. And uh, the great folks over here said, yeah, go ahead and take a crack at it. If it's good, we'll uh, book you. And so we did. Uh, they liked it. And so we just now got finished up, hoping it all goes well. Tell me about what this show is like. It's it's a, a little bit different concept. It's not just uh, you standing up there uh, making French fries or something. <laughs> the main premise of the show is, you know, me experiencing uh, Mississippi food culture. You know, I, I love to cook. Uh, and so I go out, I find a local artisan cook, you know, chef gardener in some cases and uh, I, I talk to them about the craft you know talk to them what makes their product or what they're good at uh, what makes it the best and then I learn a dish from them I learn their signature style signature style excuse me and then I take it back to the studio kitchen and I take a crack at it so you know we did a vegetable episode I got in contact with a farmer in Startville Sam Malcolmore you know he showed me the ropes showed me what vegetables he has uh, we took some home and you know made some beautiful dishes with them and so I'm just trying to highlight you know the art the chef, the restaurant, uh, get get a signature dish and take it back home. And, you know, me as a 15-year-old good chef, if I can do it, you know, an adult who's 20, 30, 40, whatever, uh, they can do it. You know, they can do the dish. What's the coolest thing that you got to experience or learn about in terms of the food that you worked with in, in the eight episodes of this season that you had not been familiar with before? So we actually went to one of the restaurants in town, Restaurant Tyler. Tames. That's in your town of Correct. Starkville? Yes, sir. Chef Ty Timms. He is you know amazing chef, and he started growing his own corn, and um, he brought in a corn miller. And so he showed us how he milled corn, and it's loud. But, I mean, there's so many different products of corn. He showed us, like, 10 to 12, I think. It goes, you know, from as rough as grits, cornmeal, all the way down to, you know, polenta and corn flour. And it's just a wide range. You know, I was very surprised about, you know, what you can do with corn and, you know, different grind sizes and how you can incorporate into your dishes. So I think, obviously, everybody from the South knows all about corn on the cob and cornbread. Uh Uh, But aside from that, did you? what was your favorite thing to cook on the show? That's a tough one. Uh, probably my two favorite dishes we did that episode. Uh, cream corn. I've done cream corn forever. You know, really simple. My recipe is really simple, you know, compared to a couple other recipes. But we did little uh, grit muffins pretty much. And so we stuffed them with breakfast sausage and uh, some eggs, I think, uh, and some fresh vegetables. And we baked them off, and they were really good, man. I mean, they, they're like little handheld cornbread, except then they had that little egginess. Like, it was like a breakfast muffin, really, really good breakfast muffin. Uh, that's probably my brother's favorite uh, meal of the day. Wakes up every morning, throws a frozen waffle in. Same old, same old, but, man, you know, the breakfast is a special meal done right. So when I was your age, uh, forever ago, God, when I was your age, I, I, I would have never been able to guess what I was going to do two or even three years from from then. So this might seem like a bit of an odd question, but does this is this something that you're interested in doing, like for for your life's work? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. I, I do love cooking. Cooking is my passion. Uh, I could cook instead of going to school. I'd, I'd be in the kitchen. I'd like to be a chef when I grow up, you know. Um, it's I just enjoy everything about, you know, the hard work that goes into it. 
uh, getting raw ingredients, turning it into a finished, beautiful dish. And, you know, the payoff it has, seeing the smile on someone's face, it'd be like, oh, my goodness, you know, best dish I've ever had. What would you consider to be your signature dish? Okay, so that's a tough one, you know. Can you narrow it down to just one? Well, I really do enjoy doing homemade donuts. You know, that was one of the biggest things I did as a, you know, nine, ten-year-old. I uh, got a recipe off the Internet and started cooking it and then modified it to uh, suit my own taste. Probably donuts, you know. That's, that's a big kicker right there. Uh, homemade pasta is definitely up there. And uh, probably, probably a new one would be barbecue. We just bought a uh, big green egg. And I do love that thing, man. You can really control the temperature on it. And I start. I kind of want to enter some competitions, barbecue competitions. Well, I look forward to uh, hearing more about that. And, of course, your new show, Making a Chef, premiering uh, on MPB television. Mark Koblenz, chef extraordinaire from uh, right here in Starkville, Mississippi. So thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Join Mark on this culinary journey. The half-hour episodes will air on MPB television Saturdays at 1 p.m. with an encore presentation Sundays at 10 a.m. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10, Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org.